wasn't <laughs> then. She's like, yep, that's right. It's like starting the car, you get a cold start. We <laughs> <laughs> got a cold start. Get the jumper cables. We're ready to start the episode. You have something. Hi, welcome to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Lisa Gilchrist. And this week we're going to be talking about boundaries. And I'm always amazed how right before we get to talk about one of our topics, it is so relevant in our daily life. I've already had all kinds of boundary interactions going on in the last week, really, that I've been reflecting a lot about this. So I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah, I'm hoping it brings some clarity to me, too, because I've got two tests tomorrow and a group project. So I'm ready for some school boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, to start off the episode right off the top, um, let's talk about what boundaries are. Um, I kind of have a rough idea, but it's always good to define and start it off. Yeah. So I like thinking in terms of a psychological boundary and that's where you end and where the world begins. And it's having an idea that I can be separate and distinct in and of myself. And so is another person. I think of um, management and safety and boundaries for me have just really implied that I have a space to call my own and to also show others that both my space and their space is a respected place because boundaries are not just for me, they are for the people around me as well and they get to have that um, access to that as well. And so when we run into each other, we kind of bump into those boundaries and realize, oh, I hit that one a little too hard, let me back up. Or I think you hit that one a little too hard, would you back up for me? That makes so much sense. I really appreciate the mutual respect of it, that we have to have uh, respect for ourselves to understand what we need, but then we are also going to extend that same respect to someone else. So I really like the model of Pia Melody's work. She is a pioneer in the recovery movement and in codependency, which she describes as emotional immaturity, that we just need to understand how to be more functional so that um, we become part of the solution on the planet rather than being the problem is how she words it. I always like that. Um, But she talks about two different kinds of boundaries that also have hand motions. We, at some point, maybe we can do a video of these things, but maybe I'll be posting on our Facebook page of our one hand being um, kind of on your heart a little bit near you and the other hand extending out And these two different boundaries, you have um, the protective part is your extended arm that's out, kind of like you're catching a ball. Um, Mm. And that part protects you from the world. And she calls that your listening boundary. Mm. So if you were to say something to me, Lisa, and I had to consider, is that true for me? Do I want to take that in? Do I need to... Um, pay attention to that more? Do I need to protect myself from it? That's my listening boundary. That's my protective boundary. And then the hand that you have kind of on your heart is the containing boundary. And that is the part that shields the world from you. And so what she calls that is a is a talking boundary. So in that way, I can decide how much I want to share with somebody else. Um, I will decide who is safe for me to be vulnerable with and to talk about my thoughts and feelings with, but I'm not going to just 
explode my emotion or my thoughts or feelings on other people. So I have some containment there. Um, containment meaning that you've got capacity to be able to restrain yourself. I like that. And um, even just kind of exploring these two movements, these t- holding patterns, using the word shield in both senses. You know, we've got a shield in both areas. Um, so I'm, I'm such a visual person. I just kind of like that idea of honoring both of them. Right, that we actually have to protect the world from us too. We're not just protecting ourselves from the world or from others, but we're also protecting others from us because we can be too much or over the top if we're not acting in in moderation. I think this is really interesting because what this brings me back to is our talks about community and how we talk about opening up and just being open. And it's interesting how it has this second layer that to be healthy, you also need to have some healthy boundaries for yourself instead of just kind of giving your all to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, What I like about this too is you can kind of still be a part and be with somebody, but then also be your own separate person. Absolutely. Yeah, we have this idea of like delineation or differentiation that that we are separate, that we can be our own unique person, be have our own sense of ourself, our own thoughts and feelings and experiences and fears and hopes and dreams. And you can too, the other person can too. So it's that mutual respect. And I just see it as so foundational because I think of the innocence of a newborn, you know, or a child and where, where these ideas or movements or senses of how you learn the boundary, um, who's teaching it to you and, and what are they offering that allows you really, and I'll probably talk about more, but like a clear delineation of what's mine and what's yours. And And one of the things I like, too, is that what Pia talks about, Pia Melody, I I affectionately call her Pia, as Mm -hmm. if she's my friend. (laughs) I haven't personally met her, but... um, So Pia Melody, if you're listening to this podcast, friend my mom on Facebook, because she keeps talking about it. (laughs) There you go. There you go. But the idea of these functional boundaries is that they are fluid and adaptive. And so I think of them, like when we're using the hand gestures on our heart with one hand and extended out with the other that they are fluid and adaptive so they can move up and down kind of like a garage door Mm -hmm. that's changing. So I'm going to be determining what is safe based on like the relationship I have with the other person or what it is that I'm needing to share. So I can adjust that based on who I'm with. If I'm some, if I'm with someone who's not safe for me, then I'm going to have to put up more of a wall. And then if there are, and, you know, that would help us to be protected, but not connected. And so mm-hmm. if we want relationship and connection and community that we're talking about, we have to allow some of that vulnerability in. So we need to be able to open ourselves up to others and also to be able to receive others towards us. Something that my mind goes to is um, if either of you guys can harken back to biology class how the cell membrane kind of decides what goes in and what stays out Mm -hmm. and it keeps out the stuff that's toxic and tries to pull in the stuff that's good for it. 
Um, but that does kind of bring up an interesting concept between wall and boundary because those kind of bring two thoughts to mind um, instead of one letting things in or out, one just keeps everything out. Um, yeah, when does that become unhealthy? So the idea of, I think two extremes are unhealthy as we talk about boundaries. And anytime that we are a functional adult in the middle, we have moderation and balance, that's going to keep us on a healthy path. But when we get to the extremes on either end, that's when it's going to be not functional and unhealthy. So on one extreme would be that we have no boundaries at all. And that would be like using our, our hand motions. It would be that our hands completely come down and we're not protected or, or um, on either side. We're not containing ourselves and we're not protected. And so what that means is we're completely enmeshed with everyone around us. And uh, there's no sense of who I am or who you are because we're all kind of convoluted, all, all tangled up. Um, but then on the other end, the other side of the extreme would be our walls. And so that's where I'm protecting myself and completely containing myself, but I can't have any relationship. I don't have any connection with others. And so that side of it is also unhealthy. I think too, um, in this dichotomy of having strong walls or zero walls, this idea that you talk about connection, communication, in order for a healthy communication in relationship, there, there should be listening and there should be talking. And so if we're heavy on one side or another, you know, that boundary of saying we each need a space to share our thoughts and we each are taking time, even in this podcast, whether we realize that at the forefront or not, we're giving space to listen and we're giving space to talk and that's the flow of conversation. And so how we build on that speaks to boundaries. Absolutely. The balance, the mutuality that both of us are invested in this is so important. What are some examples of healthy boundaries? What are some ways that we can draw the line or just kind of recognize that? So I guess just the idea, I remember being really little and I don't remember why I was sitting on the kitchen floor, but I it was after a school day. My dad had got home, um, and he he asked a lot of yes no questions, and for whatever reason, I never quite first answered with a yes or a no. I usually said something else before I figured out how to get <laughs> to the yes no of what he wanted from me. And I just remember one specific time, though I know it happened many times, where he had asked a yes-no question. And I think of no and, and boundaries, but I hadn't said anything yet, and he got even closer. And so he was already close to me. And then he, he just took over. And I remember just like shrinking, getting smaller, and just removing myself from that space and he just was in it and I gave up my space and I lost it and all at the same time I mean I guess it's it's this confusing idea of was it taken from me or did I do that it, I had a lot of questions but I found myself 
very much behind myself to, to you know to pull away from that space because he was in it and he was really big and not even really knowing how to respond like you said it's almost like you froze in that moment of I know I need to pull back and retreat and I need to in that case you know your survival mode of flight was kicking in but then there's that also being frozen and having no words of like, I don't even know how to respond. And I didn't say anything yet. I don't know why you're so mad at me. I, I didn't even answer you. How can you be mad that I didn't say yes or no yet? Cause I didn't say anything. And I just remember being so distraught at you want an answer from me, but I don't literally know what you said because it was so loud and so close. So if you were to, yeah, so if you were to look at that now, Lisa, as a functional adult and be able to say, how could that have gone differently? Because I know we've been kind of trying to brainstorm and process what do healthy boundaries look like? Right. And we're doing this idea of a talking boundary and a listening boundary. How would you now as a functional adult, which granted, then you were a vulnerable child, so you couldn't have done more then, but now we can maybe revisit it. What would healthy boundaries look like for you in that situation? My first like thought would be to take my hands and kind of, um, again, with health, you know, ask permission and just say, um, can I move you over here for a moment? Or can you repeat that question again? I, I don't know what you said. Um, but I need you first to back up from me because this is my, my hand out that I need to push back without shoving you and fighting you. I just need you to be back here. Mm-hmm. Step um, back. So that I can see your eyes and so I can see your face. And, um, you know, again, at that time as a young kid, I didn't know what he was angry about. I didn't know. I just knew that he was not happy with me. And... Um, in a healthy way, I'd want to remove the fear that I had (laughs) from him. So being able to, you know, as an adult say, this is scary, but I can stand up for myself. That you have a voice. I can ask you to move back and I can say, um, please back up for me and ask me again and give me a moment so that I can hear your question so I can respond appropriately. I do want to answer you but you didn't give me enough time. Right. That's great. And that you're able to have a voice to be able to say what you need, say what you prefer and express that you need a little bit of space. You need to step back a little bit and respectfully request that. And even if it was just saying, I'd like you to repeat that again, I'm not sure what you said. That's a way of acknowledging your need. And identifying that was really loud and that was really scary. Mm -hmm. So I need you to try again. Mm-hmm. And I'll do my best to answer your question because I really do. I want to answer it. I want to be there for you. But that's I so can't. good. I think it's just a great illustration, too, that when we're in the intensity of an argument, say, for example, mm-hmm. that it is so hard to process when there are so many emotions in the room. Everybody's got all this. We've talked, you know, last time about feelings and emotions that they actually are energy. That, and, and you can feel that energy in the room when everybody is tense and anxious and angry and fearful and all these different dynamics that are happening between us. It's hard to kind of center ourselves and 
have that healthy functional boundary stance where I'm able to speak and do so appropriately and I'm able to listen and hear you. And we've talked too about trauma and stress is going to speed everything up right? and how we have to slow it all down and just pause for a moment so we can get grounded. Is that because emotion shuts down your brain that you can't take that breath and say, okay, where are my boundaries? Where are yours in that argument? Yeah. We've talked about how the downstairs brain, the amygdala kind of hijacks our ability to have that higher executive functioning and our thinking and our right brain dominates and we don't have the words of our left brain. So yeah, being able to pause and breathe gets us grounded and in the present and to really pause and notice what our boundary um, stance is. Are we being functional with our boundaries or not? Right. And again, I think a lot of things knowing I was, I was the one who experienced it, but I was already small and that was a, a situation that made me even smaller. Um, that shrinking back again, going back to this lost sense of self, I couldn't, I couldn't find it. But the healthy part of me is able to come back and say, I might want to actually grow myself up to a bigger size to be able to repair something like that. I get to go back as a 33 year old and say, "Mm -mm, that was not okay. You can't do that to Mm -hmm. me. You don't talk to me like that. Yeah. No is a boundary word. And a boundary is also a way of saying, this is what's okay. And this is what's not okay. Mm -hmm. And being able to call out the things that are not okay. So I think it's helpful for us to just reflect for a moment on what some boundary violations are. And this is, again, the work of Pia Melody, but she talks about yelling, screaming, name-calling, ridiculing, shaming, blaming, and interrupting. Those would all be examples of your talking boundary that is being violated. Um, Anytime that we are reactive to others, so basically we flipped our lid and we're not in a balanced place, um, we are going to be more um, able to offend others and... um, have everybody escalate also attempting to control or manipulate another person by telling them what to do say act or what they are feeling so that's like crossing the boundary of I don't respect who you are that you're your own person that you have your own sense of self Um, being too close to someone without permission that sounds kind of like what you were sharing Lisa with your dad and like that proximity stuff also violating privacy of somebody else any kind of sexual contact that demands your way or doesn't ask for permission. And also, I thought this one was an interesting in her list, avoiding empathy or expression of emotions. Hmm. So if I wall off and I don't share anything of myself, that's actually a boundary violation because I'm not allowing myself to engage with somebody else And again, there's times that that's not safe to do so, but are we making the attempt to find the safe people that we can share ourselves with and to have connection and balance of protection? I'm thinking of building those muscles. But I think too, again, even as I'm sharing um, some of those difficult moments, um, in my childhood at that point, they had already been a little bit destructive. So at that point I had already had a learned pattern um, of what I needed to do to get through that. But I'm realizing that he had lost his sense of self 
as well. And so he had no parameters of what he was doing uh, to me. And as I've been on some of my journey, that recognition that for me feels healthy to acknowledge for myself that he didn't have capacity or his boundaries were also not respected. He just never talked about them. He had the walls. Mm-hmm. Well, and in the case with you and, and I that one, he, as, had, as a kid. he had no boundaries with Zero. you. Yeah. So the more uncontained the environment that you grew up in, the weaker our muscles will be and the harder that we'll need to practice. So this is really like what framework did we learn growing up? You know, did our parents have walls or did they have no boundaries or some combination of that? What was modeled for us? Because that's what we have learned as this must be normal. This is what everybody else does. And what we really need is to all learn more functional boundaries so that we become part of the solution as Pia says. Right. In all different areas of our life, not just that respective, you know, parent child relationship. It's, it's the social experiences. It's doing this podcast, you know, it's, it's, it's in our workplace. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our small group of whatever groups, small groups. Yeah. Any kind of time that we're in community. So I have a question. (laughs) Um, I was curious about, um, whether this idea of boundaries or less boundaries is tied to this idea as well that we're all not trained really well in mental health, like the average person walking down the street. I mean, they might be a safe place for some people for sure, but as far as a stranger goes, it, it might not be the safest place. So I was wondering, is, is this kind of like you always need boundaries no matter what kind of society you're in? Or is it just because we really need to protect ourselves from some people? Is there inherent things in that? Or is it based just in the culture that we're in? Well, I think, first of all, it's not an issue of um, boundaries or no boundaries. Or do we need boundaries? Yes, we need boundaries and we need them to be functional, which means that we are going to allow for connection and mutual, like you were talking about, Lisa, with mutual sharing and listening that we're able to talk and we're able to give of ourselves and we're also able to receive. And so that would be needed in any society of just having functional boundaries where we can um, allow ourselves to be connected and also protected and being able to manage ourselves and um, be moderate so that we don't have ourselves being too much on another person or too little where we're not engaged at all. And we're also mindful and paying attention to what someone is um, putting on us potentially. If, if they've gotten um, or gone too far that we need to be able to use our functional boundary in that case. And I think too of, uh, I just think the word of like definition, right? Again, this idea of clarity this sense of self that we come back to. I, I imagine that without, like if you're thinking of something clear, the opposite of that is very blurry. And so you have this blurry sense of self and, you know, who am I? Or like boundaries are what give definition to the unique individual. And so without that sense of self, we really lose that sense of being able to connect with another self. 
if we don't have that. And I think that's an integral part of humanity. I definitely see that. Just as hearing your guys' responses mixed with kind of thinking, I almost imagine an ant, like an ant probably has very little boundaries. (laughs) It does whatever the queen wants. And um, as opposed to... They crawl all over each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, As opposed to something that we need a healthy relationship to say, like, um, it's okay that I don't like something that you like, um, or to say... I'm hungry right now and I need to eat, um, even though it's not convenient, kind of standing up for mm. yourself, mm. which is interesting. <clears throat> I think it'd be helpful to talk a little bit about what different types of walls that we have sometimes. Um, and this is the work of Terry Real, who has studied under Pia Melody, and he lists out um, a wall of silence, a wall of words, a wall of anger, intoxication, preoccupation, charm, humor, condescension, helpless fatigue, and he adds a wall of TV clickers mm-hmm. <laughs> because sometimes like people that. are just clicking on their their remote control and not really paying attention to anything. So all of those walls will keep us from healthy, functional connection and relationship with others. There are ways that we keep people out and they aren't healthy. The only time that with Pia Melody's work or Terry Real, they talk about the only time that a wall is appropriate is when you are on the receiving end of someone's abuse and you can't or choose not to remove yourself. And then you need a wall because you need that protection and that person is not safe. I think of b- having both hands then extended out. Really not, I think like you said, but really not taking in anything from that experience or that person. And anyone else who may mirror or look like that experience or person. Yeah, it's really interesting and almost kind of sad to have to put up a wall. Um, I kind of instantly flick to a couple of like stories I've hear of somebody who needs a wall. So how do you tear down somebody's wall? If, if somebody has a wall up and they're really not wanting to talk to you and um, you're just trying to get to know them, how do you tear that down? I think that's such a great way of wording it because we can't, <laughs> we can't tear down someone else's wall and, And what Terry Real talks about is that we're better not, um, we're better off not attempting to tear down someone's wall. I think the key when someone is walling off, um, can we create in our relationship a safe place so that they don't feel threatened, they don't feel attacked or accused or unsafe? We've talked in our previous episodes about polyvagal theory and this, um, uh, cues of safety and cues of danger. So if we can create like safety in our relationships that I'm just curious, I'm coming to you with compassion. I'm coming to you with a willingness to hear and understand, then that person is less likely to need that wall of protection. But the wall is there for a purpose. It is to protect. It's that sometimes they don't know 
how to do that in a functional way. So the more that we work on emotional, mental, relational health, the safer they feel, the less need for the wall, and they can bring that wall down in their time and in their readiness and in their comfort level. Yeah, it kind of makes sense now that you say it kind of don't just march in and tear down their walls. That kind of seems exactly why they would have built the walls in the first place, but rather just kind of creating that community, creating a safe space. Yeah. You can't assume that automatically people will want to open up that they have to get to that place in a relationship where they feel safe enough that they can do that. So that's part of building trust, building safety, building that connection I also think of the um, value of, I know, Julie, you've mentioned before this this phrase, this idea of naming it to taming it. And so often being in spaces with people where you recognize the wall, you can see things, they may not even be aware of it. They may. But just acknowledging with them, this is going to be hard. I do not expect this immediate sense of trust or safety. I'm here to build it with you. And so again, as a visual person, I'm thinking of like building something before you would take something away. I mean, this sense of, I can't just rip something from you without you having any sense of defense or sense of protection because that was lost and it wasn't built up inside the walls it was just I just need this wall and it wasn't like I'm behind my wall you know knitting something (laughs) that's going to protect me Terry Real says that you don't need to feel hurt you don't need to fight back you don't need to get them to see things differently you don't need to get defensive you don't need to run away Mm. Because if you have functional boundaries, you are able to navigate those relationships in a way that you have a voice and you can assert yourself and you can do it respectfully and honoring someone else. You know how to acknowledge what your needs are and what your preferences are. Um, You have good self-care and um, you esteem yourself with, you know, I'm precious and valuable and so are you. And so I'm going to treat you with this mutual respect and in that way, we don't have to go to to the um, defense mechanisms that we would have previously run to, um, like fighting back, like running away. And you or do that with regulation. regulation. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I was just processing a lot in the background um, in my own brain. Um, and you guys definitely hit on this, but just kind of that idea of At first, I was thinking boundaries are like having a respect for yourself to say this is this is who I am. I deserve some say I deserve like a voice, you know, and it dawned on me, too, how whenever somebody doesn't respect those boundaries, they're also I mean, this is obvious, but they're disrespecting you as well. But to say I get to decide, I get to determine what you think and feel, or Hmm. my sense of self also extends to you as well. You also exist within my sense of self. And I've seen that a couple times in my own journey, seeing people 
like take advantage of that and just say like no 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 you don't you don't get to talk or your emotions and feelings aren't valid it's what i say that goes well too i i mean i'm just thinking again all this happened so fast really difficult to process you lose words it turned into i just have to get out of there but i i couldn't even have that so I really would just freeze or shut down and like it really just became as if like I don't know it's mine anymore and I had lost complete control over that. I think the the thing that strikes me as you were sharing a moment ago Samuel whenever you were talking about like I have I have my thoughts and feelings and my rights and you know, those are mine. I get to have those, Mm -hmm. which I think is so great. And we need to affirm that. And the phrase that I would add after that is, and so do you, Mm -hmm. because it Mm -hmm. has to be mutuality that yes, I get to choose what I think and feel and how I'll respond. And so do you, and I can't control another person and how they will respond. Um, And it, it has to be both sides of it that, I respect myself and I respect you. Sometimes when I read on the news, I hate a lot of the news, but like this idea that millennials got just the, you participated, like everybody hears, oh, you're special, you're special. And that's why we're so entitled and whatever. But, um, I roll, I can see (laughs) there's, uh, we need the video. I, uh, uh, yeah. Um, but I feel like the message that I got growing up was, you're special and so is everybody else in that unique way. And so not only do you have a respect for yourself for being a unique person, like you have like exactly what we've been saying over and over, you have a right, um, you have a right to exist, to have your own feelings and emotions, as does everybody else in the room and every other human, like we're all human, hmm. which is a radical statement to say <laughs> in this yeah, sure. day. I'm curious, Samuel, like as you're hearing this talk on boundaries, like Lisa and I in our in our jobs as therapists, we are constantly talking about boundary work with clients and helping them Um, for you hearing this and maybe learning some new angles on it today. What's your takeaway today? I don't know. Sometimes what my brain processes in the background is like a society that actually cares about each other. Um, I see this a lot in some of my activist groups and it's interesting to learn how both people are really trying to do that and that people really have good boundaries in activist circles, but also how that needs a little bit of work. But it's interesting just because on a grander scheme of things, I just like to think about what if we all treated each other this way in a way that respected the other. What I'm thinking about is a Trump context or a like like a authoritarian context um that's what I, I kind of translate that into like a political speak but i also am encouraged to see health like the reason that i'm so passionate about politics is because i want to see good health hmm. and and we have to be able to understand more of what that looks like because so many systems are dysfunctional. And so the more, I mean, that's a great reason why we're doing this podcast in the first place is to start bringing the conversations where people can learn how to be more functional so that like Pia said, become part of the solution in the world, be able to be more functional 
we have to learn what that is because otherwise we just think that whatever we came from was the only way to do it. And we can be more healthy than that. I also think that there's a tendency to stick things in boxes. Like this is your mental health podcast box, Mm. or this is something that just fits into that category of whenever I go home to my family, I should make sure I do this. But I really see this as all encompassing, like see how this has impacts in your day to day, but also see how this has impacts on a societal level. Like it's more about going to work and finding a job and like making sure you pay your dues. And it's not this place of community or trust. Instead, it's one of competition and biting at heels so you can get ahead. So I, whenever I think about these things, I try not to put it in a, a single box because these, this can have such a great impact yeah. beyond just how you sit down to dinner with your family and telling your kids like, no, I don't want to drive you to your friend's house. I'm tired. I just worked all day. But it also has big impacts in all the news that we hear of and how even on the southern border, we don't treat people like people. Boundaries are a moment-by-moment experience. I like that a lot, yeah. I really do feel like boundaries are saying you're human too. And I can, I care about you enough to say that you should live just because you're another human. You're my brother and sister and sibling from another mother. (laughs) And not only (laughs) live, but be safe. Yes. And thrive. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's so good. So we're reaching the end of our episode probably about 15 minutes ago. (laughs) But um, if you have any thoughts about this, please email us at communityroots at gmail.com. Having this as a part of a greater discussion is always really cool, and I love processing it with um, my partner at home. We often have conversations about our episode um, once it airs on um, WGRN and podcasts everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, Yeah, please, please email us your thoughts and talk to us. And if you have any topics that you're particularly interested in, email us and uh, reach out or just send us a message on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at uh, by searching Community Roots Podcast. Or if you're one of those Insta people, you can uh, search us on at communityroots.pod. We'd love if you would rate and review us. We are still looking for some feedback from you all and how this is impacting you on a weekly basis. We'd love some great testimonies or stories of things that have been timely for you or supportive of you. Um, We'd greatly appreciate that feedback from you. Well, uh, let's end it up on some thank yous. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank again my partner, Connie, for being such a big support and uh, my family, I'm really excited to enter this holiday season with um, Halloween, Thanksgiving. That's kind of the fun time uh, for hanging out with family. So I'm excited for that too. I'm feeling really grateful for the fall colors and the blue sky and the crisp air and being able to take walks and be outside and transitions. Mm. I'm in some transitions right now and I'm excited. Yeah. A lot of adjustments, but I'm excited for new beginnings and I feel a lot of hope in that and excitement for that. I am thankful for adventure. I have transitions coming as well. So 
I echo, I echo your sentiments there as we walk through uh, times of transition and really thankful um, for my family and uh, the vulnerability to be able to share just a small piece and to be able to learn from it and know that there's repair and healing in that. Okay, good thoughts. We will uh, see you again next week with Off the Beat Path. Thanks for joining us.